Hey. Hey. Hi, Brian. How are you? How are you, Miss Sylvia? I'm good. I'm going to try to try out this microphone. What a fancy getup. I can I can hear you very clearly. Oh, that's amazing. I wasn't able to use the headphones today, uh, okay. which is a bummer because they made me feel like a real podcaster. And, <laughs> yes, um, they really do. But, be- but because I'm doing this with my iPhone and not my iPad, I don't have the a place to hook those in. Correct. Yeah, the iPhone does not have a headphone jack any longer. Yeah. So anyways, we'll see how this goes. And then uh, because we have really crappy internet here and I don't need us to be jumping off all the time. Yeah. So I use my phone. Well, hopefully this does keep us from being disconnected. I think a large part of our issues were because we were using wireless everything. And uh, we also welcome Kevin Crook, our, our resident homosexual here who's joining us for this episode. How are you, Kevin? Hey, girl, I'm good. How you doing? Hi, Kevin. Hey, I've heard so much about you over the years. It is so good to finally hear your voice. Okay, so that answers my question. You don't remember meeting me. Oh. (laughs) Sure I do. Of course I do. Of course you do. Brian dragged me off to a gay bar, and we ran into you there. Brian, do you remember... I met you in a bar, so come on. It, you expect me to remember, <laughs> really? <laughs> no, was I it, guess I don't. Was it? Do I want to say the name of the bar? Was it Bambusa? It was. You dragged yeah. me over there one I afternoon, do. one evening, and uh, it it was really fun. And I did meet you, Kevin, but it was really just a quick hello, and uh, you were probably intoxicated. <laughs> oh, I'm hundred percent sure I was. I apologize. It's great no, to talk no. to you. Again. I know, and to talk to you when you might have memory of this later. I may not, but you will. We'll see. I've been drinking mimosas all morning. I don't know. Oh, wait, it is Sunday. Oh, all right. That's what Sundays it's are for. It's Sunday. It is. Yeah, so what is going on with you boys? Well, today we're going to kind of do a change of pace, and I have some topics for us to discuss we're going to talk about our favorite podcasts, what we're currently listening to, or if you listen to podcasts at all. We're going to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race, and that's why I brought in our specialist, Mr. Kevin Cronk, who has been watching Drag Race literally since season one. And I know that for a fact because he's the one that actually told me about it. Actually, I don't know if it was season one. I think it might have been season two. I'm not sure. I don't remember watching season Yeah, it was season really, two. I, but whatever. Yeah, no, it definitely started on season two. But season one, I went back and enjoyed later. Uh, I, I say enjoyed with air quotes, but I, I watched it later. Yeah, it was very low budget. Season one was a different show. I was, I was also given an assignment by Miss Sylvia Rose last week to dissect and get into a band called Little Feet. And boy, did I. It, it was no small feat to get into little feet (laughs) no pun Uh, intended no pun intended because my god that band so first of all before we even get into talking about they they have 15 studio albums that's a catalog that you have to really take some time to digest 
And then we're going to talk about the change of pace for the rest of the podcast moving forward, which is basically the fact that we're going to take one artist and really do a deep dive on that artist, really get into the ins and outs of their recordings, their careers, their ups, their downs, and things they might have gone through. So today is going to be a taste of that with our first artist, Little Feet. Yay, Little Feet. I know. I can't so, wait to hear what I can't wait to hear what you have to say about them musically. So, anyways, let me start with Kevin. And Kevin, have you ever heard okay. of this band? Not until you sent me this list of things that I should look at, and I went and looked them up online, and it was very, very confusing. But I can see they're coming here to <laughs> City in July, so yay! Yeah, they're still touring. Yes, to this you, day. Yeah, and if you get a chance to see them live, you should. I um, I I would say I've seen them live maybe thirty times, and that might be an underestimate. Wow, um, that's, a, that's so a lot. It yeah, I'm a big fan, but I'm sure at this point, Brian, you know more about them than I do because you're such a good study. Well, I do know that the they uh, currently only have one original member in the band that is currently touring with the band under the name Little Feet. So that should uh-huh. be said right there. There is there is really only one person left from the original band. And that's the drama behind Little Feet that we're going to get into is the lineup change, which some bands go through, but not like this. I've never yeah, seen Yeah, this a- crazy. It, it's crazy. The I can't even tell you all of the people anymore. I used to, as I was listening to them, like as a teenager and into my 20s and 30s, um, I could have told you who was with the band at that time, but now I don't think I could go back and remember who all the people were and when they changed. Well, I will um, be able to tell you. <laughs> all right. Very I cool. Have it. I have and, it written and, down. And I have family members, a, couple, a brother and a sister, who, when they get to listen to this podcast, will go crazy for this. Oh, great. I can't wait. Because I really did do a deep dive. I am a, I'm a good. good study. I'm a good study you when it comes are. to music. All right. Can you tell me what kind of music they are? They 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 have. It depends on who you ask. Yeah. If you ask me, we say they're like southern rock with a boogie beat. And it didn't. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. It is. That's what they sound like. It's kind of a funky, um, southern rock, t- jazzy hints of, hints of jazz, jazz to it. Hints of country. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I, I will say that the band, with with each new lead singer, because they literally had five different lead singers throughout their career, it did change dramatically the sound of the band. So, the, you know, it starts out with their first couple of albums being very country-leaning, and then they bring in some new musicians, and they get into this, like, New Orleans jazz and this sound, this gang vocal that just fills up the songs. It's great. So... I really did get into it, but you did. I know, right? <laughs> so, do you want to talk podcast <laughs> first, and let's uh, um, get this one out of the yeah. way? Who who are we listening to? Okay, I'll tell you who I'm listening to, and I think we have a couple, maybe one in common. But my absolute top one is my favorite murder, and I've been listening to that since episode one, and uh, it's six years now that they've been on. Uh, and my next one is Morbid, which I just found. So I get to go back into their catalog and listen to things I didn't hear before, which is really fun because when you don't have something to listen to, that's a really go-to. 
Um, I also listen to Anatomy of a Murder, This American Life, and there's a comedy podcast called Smartless that is so good, and another one called Do You Need a Ride? So those are I, my top. We do share a couple of those, and I don't, I've okay. never, I don't think I've ever heard of Do You Need a Ride. I'll have to check that out. Okay. Well, if you are an MFM fan, you would know it because it's Karen Kilgariff is on both of those. Okay. Just like Ashley Flowers has so many podcasts now between yes. Crime Junkie and Supernatural. Yeah. And those are what you listen to. I do. I, I love I love Crime Junkie. I love a murder. I do. I love a good Me murder. too. Me too. It sounds twisted, but I get into it. And I love Supernatural just because I love Ashley Flowers. I think she's a great podcaster. She's a great narrator she really tells a story and draws you into the story so i understand why people want her to do all these different podcasts i think she has actually three or four different podcasts going i'm going to be time. honest with you i have not heard of her podcast but i i've got them now on subscription and i'm going to start listening well crime um, junkie crime junkie is definitely my favorite all right yeah but i also listened to one called eat pray Brittany. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Kevin, do you listen to that as well? No. <laughs> I don't have the of Brian. <laughs> Kevin is not quite as devoted to Britney as I am, <laughs> although he is devoted. He does He's worship. a fan, not a super fan. Yes. I yeah. mean he I mean he knows that she's our guiding light, you know, in the homosexual <laughs> world, but uh, oh, that's so funny. I listened to a great podcast called Sibling Rivalry, which is basically two drag queens that are best friends, but all they do is argue. And it is the best thing. Like one thing, one of them cannot say one thing without the other and be like, Monet, you didn't do it. So the two drag queens are Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. And they okay. have- <laughs> I have to tell you, I looked it up when you said, sent me the notes for Sibling Rivalry. And yeah. I saw one with Kate Hudson and her brother. And I thought, oh, I don't even like them. I'm not going to listen to that. I don't so know. I was Kate looking Hudson. at the wrong thing. Yeah. yeah and like Oliver Hudson. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't even know. Kate Hudson. They're, who is that? Is that Goldie Hawn's no, daughter? A, yeah. They're movie oh, okay. stars. Okay. Yeah. Same thing. I was like, ooh, but this sounds very different from what I thought you were listening to. Oh, <laughs> it is. It is just hilarious. Like, literally, if Bob the Drag Queen says the sky is blue, Monet will be like, it's more like a teal. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, it's like that. And then I listened to one called Race Chaser with two drag queens as well, Alaska and Willem. And all they do is talk about drag race. But when I say that Will Willem is one of the wittiest persons that I've ever heard in my entire life, I can't stress that enough. He cracks me up. Huh. Um, I also... I also listen to Smartless, and I also listen to one called the Perez Hilton podcast, and I'm very ashamed that I do. Oh, of course to that. you listen to oh. that, and of course you should be ashamed. I am very ashamed. <laughs> I can't believe yes. I even said that. I might even cut it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think you get to cut that out. The uh, only, you have to own the, it. Here's the reason, though. I do listen to it, though, is because there's a disc jockey that actually does it with him named Chris Booker. And all Chris Booker does is call Perez Hilton out on his bullshit 24 seven. Perez okay. Hilton can't Perez Hilton can't say one thing on that podcast without Pre without Chris Booker being like, you're an idiot. That's not how this works. You're unprofessional. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's. Um yeah, uh, but do you need a ride podcast that I was telling you um, and you listen that you thought you might listen to? It's a comedy. 
It's uh, Karen Kilgariff, who is from My Favorite Murder, and Chris Fairbanks. They're both comedians. And the premise of they started out actually picking up and dropping off celebrity uh, stand-up comics at the airport and then interviewing them on the way or on the way home. Oh and it God, was really genius. great. It was great. <laughs> and then, of course, COVID happened. And then they figured out they'd just do it Zoom. And um, they still do it, but hopefully they'll get back on the road because it's it's fantastic. They, you know, you hear all the antics of the things when you're on the road. They stop at Starbucks and, and order, you know, coffee. And it's fantastic. I think you'd really like it. And it's funny. Well, I would definitely check it out. And yeah. Kevin, Kevin, I know you're not really a podcast listener, are you? What Do you listen to any? No. Well, okay. So uh, I have over the years, I am definitely more of an audiobook kind of guy, but um, you know, I've listened to a couple super gay dance music DJs like DJ grind and club carry for like when I'm working out in the gym, they're great. Um, and then the only other one that I really kind of got ever got into is called uh, you meet in a tavern. And it's a group of people that run a Dungeons and Dragons game in a podcast. And it oh, is hilarious. <laughs> that is so funny <laughs> that you, you would find that podcast. <laughs> I don't even know what you would find entertaining about listening to that. It's so weird to me. Oh, so I don't Kevin know is, anything about Kevin, Dungeons and Dragons. Kevin has a rich history with Dungeons and Dragons, Magic <laughs> the Gathering, World of Warcraft, you name it. Oh, how fun. He used to play competitively uh, Magic the Gathering and actually win money and stuff for it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I I forget you guys are younger than me. So that was a different time. Yeah, I'm I'm an unapologetic nerd, big time. Yeah, big, I mean, I think everything about you know Dungeons and Dragons and magic and you know all that stuff is super fun. Yeah, I love he's, it. He's a walking oh, encyclopedia great. of comic book information. Oh yeah. If you, oh. If you have a for sure, if you have yeah. a question about like why something happened in a comic book movie, he will break it down for you and give you the entire history. <laughs> So. Wow, Kevin, we have nothing in common there. <laughs> I, um, I have not even seen any of the superhero movies. They don't interest me at all. I, I, yeah, we couldn't talk about that all day. That's no. for sure. You have so much joy to look forward to then, really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're so optimistic. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Some of them are better than others. I will say that. Yeah, but, you know. Well, you know, but even the even the bat. So I waited my entire life. You know, I read comic books all growing up when I was young, 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 growing up, and all, my whole life I imagined, you know, how this would go on the big screen. So I, even a terrible comic book movie is just magic to me. That's great. I'm glad you get to see live to see that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'd have to say. I also read comic books, but I'd have to be watching Archie movies to be excited because those were the comic books I was reading. Oh, did you watch Veronica? I didn't watch Riverdale. I have such a limited time, and there's so much out there that I can't get sucked into everything. Is Riverdale based on Archie? Yeah. Yes, that's what I heard. And you didn't know that? Yeah, that was the name of their school. I had no. Yeah. So no, I didn't get sucked into that one. Just because there's so much good television, I can't keep up with it all. It's very true. Yeah. So, no. yeah, no, I don't watch that. 
Speaking of good television, let's get into this real quick because I don't have a whole lot to say about RuPaul's Drag Race, but I do have two things to talk about. I want to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the world, which has turned into just a fucking mess of a show. And <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it really is. And at the same time, we're also getting season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race and they air in the same week. So in the same week, we're getting two episodes here. So, Sylvia, are you watching any Drag Race? I know you're not I, completely foreign to it. I am not. I have seen a season or two and enjoyed it, uh, but I have not seen it recently. Okay, so I can just tell you right now. There's one called UK versus the World. And I guess the premise of this was kind of to make it an international drag race. So they pulled drag queens from all these different franchises, like Drag Race Holland, Drag Race UK, Drag Race US, and they put them to compete against each other. But it wasn't like there's, it wasn't even like there's three drag queens from the UK, there's two from the US, there's one from Holland. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And some of the drag queens that have been eliminated were actually the favorites to win it. And yeah. in fact, hmm. in fact, in the last two episodes, we lost Jimbo and then we lost uh, Pangina Heels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we're left with four, a top four. And I just kind of wanted to see what Kevin thought of this. We're left with Jujube. Yeah. Uh, nope, no comment. Bag of Chips. Yeah. I love these names, I have to say. <laughs> Blue Blue Hydrangea and formerly Monique Hart, now Mo Hart. Yes. Okay. So Kevin, um, who's your who's your pick to win the whole thing? Oh god, this has been the weirdest. So I, I can't stand the way they do the eliminations on these all-stars. And this is kind of all-stars rule rules on this specific one. So what how it works instead of the the losers being chosen by the uh, panel of judges the losers are actually chosen by the winner so if you if you have an off week then and you've been doing really really well and someone in the co contest has an opportunity to boot you off so honestly i haven't seen this really taken fully of course people take advantage but you know it hasn't been as obvious in your face advantage as it has in this specific season it seems like this season they have been bitter angry i mean sending home these people that are just amazing jimbo was absolutely at the top of my list to win when we first started with this season and i didn't know anything about pangina honestly but boy did she turn me on? She is incredibly talented. And She's I, incredibly talented. I hate it. You know, it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. First of all, you know, Pangina is the one that eliminated Jimbo. So you know, she is the one that stepped out and said, hey, Jimbo has won the first two episodes. So yeah, let's get rid of him. The first opportunity I had, it was scandalous. scandalous. It's very, it's very <laughs> The eliminations are very Survivor. They are definitely going to I was after... just going to ask that, if yes. it's like Survivor. It, yeah. is, it is this season. It's not usually, but this season, they are trying to take out the strongest competitors so that they can win. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, big time. So then, you know, wow. when Blue Hydrangea won the following week, and I'm giving away spoilers. I should have said spoiler at the beginning. But when Blue Hydrangea won the following week, and decided to take out uh, Pangina, just the same way Pangina took out Jimbo. 
again scandalous the whole world gasped i didn't even know what to do it was really really shocking to me i couldn't believe it was happening because i did not expect this top four to be in the top four at all no me neither and i love me some mohart don't get me wrong i love mohart i'm i live in kansas city she's from kansas city originally you know we i I went to a couple watch parties where she was hosting and hanging around with us it was super fun but you know I, I think she's fantastic, and I think she's probably she and Blue Hydrangea are both at the top of my list to win. At this point, I think Blue Hydrangea is super, super uh, talented as well. Um, personally, I think Juju should have been gone the first or second week. Uh, she has stayed because of her legacy. Um, just I so agree. you know, Juju was in season two of RuPaul's Drag Race. Then she was in All Stars one. And got kicked out of All Stars one right away. So they brought her back again for All Stars three. Was it? I think three or four. Yeah, one of the one of the two. So this is her fir- fourth opportunity on this show, and so I had very high expectations of what she was going to be putting out, and she has disappointed me consistently. All of her outfits are OTR off the rack. Yeah, they, they are. And I do love some Baga. You know, Baga has a very specific kind of drag. And I do enjoy that kind of drag. I just don't think it is on the same level as some of the other drag queens that we've got in the season. She's a little sloppy. And she's so conceited. (laughs) I I have to watch an episode of this to see who these women are. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. They sound great. uh, I'm the most known woman in England or something like that. Right. Really? Mm -hmm. That's what we have left with UK versus the world. Now, on the other end, we have season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is turning into the longest fucking season of Drag Race I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, Even last week, or this week, there was a double save, so nobody went home. But here's what we're left with, and I think the only reason why they did a double save is because they have to have enough queens left to do Snatch Game next week. And if they had eliminated anybody, they wouldn't have enough queens to do Snatch Game. Wow. So we're left we're left with Angeria Paris Van Michaels. We're left with Willow Pill, Daya Betty, Deja Sky, Lady Camden, Jasmine Kennedy, who should be gone, Georges, who probably should be gone too, and Bosco. And next week is the Snatch Game. So who are your top three here, Kevin? Okay, so can I can I just ask a question quickly? Yes, yes. Could you please explain to me and our wide audience what is the snatch game? (laughs) Okay, snatch game is a Kevin. You explain it. Okay, so snatch game was brought about in season two of RuPaul's Drag Race. It is by far the most popular episode of every single season that's been released. It is super (laughs) super fun. The, um, the queens will impersonate a celebrity, so they're expected to not only look like the celebrity, but interact and speak like the celebrity. They're put on a panel, and they basically play the match game, if you remember the match game from way back Love when. Love the match game. This super sounds fun, hilarious. Right? Yeah, super fun. So they get up there, and they pretend like they're all these celebrities, and they interact with RuPaul. They interact with the, the two guests that they have as contestants and, and and with each other 
And so the the one that actually portrays their character the best, looks, acts, sounds like their character the best, is usually far and wide the winner. And there have been some incredibly talented impersonations. That's really great. It's definitely one of my, it's definitely one that I look forward to every single season. It just feels like this season, it took forever for us to get to this match game. It did. <laughs> It usually happens way before this, but I think they are contracted for a certain amount of episodes. And if you remember, in the beginning of the season, Cornbread had to actually go home because she hurt her ankle. Cornbread yeah. Jete. Yeah. I, I love me some Cornbread, too. Don't get me wrong. I, cornbread was at the top of my list. I thought she was so talented and so funny and so good at what she did. I loved watching her, and I'm really looking forward to her coming back on season 15 and really showing what she can do. Yeah, I agree. She's going to be the next Eureka and just really, you know, come into her her, her own on the next season, for sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I totally agree with you about Jasmine Kennedy, though I think Jasmine Kennedy is physically beautiful. She's fucking annoying. And, um, you know, I don't think that she does really well in really anything she kind of does okay at a lot of stuff but she's just skating by you're right she probably should have gone home a bit ago and i feel the I, same about diabetes though i feel the same about diabetes i agree i completely agree about diabetes and kennedy i do i think they they're not going to be there in the long run anyway it's time to start cutting the fat but i know why we need <laughs> we need a snap we need a snatch game so you know so. Yeah, so I and you know I am Team Willow Pill. I have to confess, when this season first started, Willow Pill was introduced, and I was not a fan. I did not like what she was wearing the first episode. I did not like how she acted the first episode. I was not impressed at all. And then, I mean, she just the second episode was like, well, "Who the hell is that? That's pretty great." And ever since then, she has been top shelf. She's been really, really impressive. Yeah, I agree. She's very entertaining. She's very dry in her sense of humor. All the lyrics that she writes for her songs are very entertaining about killing her stalker or something like that in the 60s girl group. It was great. <laughs> and she is out trans. So, you know, uh, it's, that seems to be the trend of this season, too. Is, is, it, is it okay for me to say that, that it's trendy? But I feel like more queens this season have come out and been like, oh, yeah, I'm trans, you know? That oh, I've yes. seen before. Oh yes, this season there. I don't think there's hardly any people that aren't trans on this season. Right, which is it's it's wild to me because you know there was this reputation way back in the beginning that RuPaul had an issue with trans people and wouldn't let trans people on the show because it was supposed to be about the pure drag queen experience type of thing. And well, she stated and, that in an interview. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, her change in demeanor and her change in view towards the trans community has been has been really good. And I'm really happy to see it because we've had some really amazing trans contestants on the last few years. I agree. She got eaten alive for that statement, by the way. She did. She <laughs> oh, did. my God. Oh, my I God. I imagine she would. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I have Every... a question, though. Will, will the Snatch Game air before our next episode? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've got it written down. I'm going to find it and I'm going to watch it so we can talk about it next week, Brian. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Yes. All right. Are you guys ready for this? Because I have a deep dive into Little Feet. Are, are we ready? I'm yep. ready. And uh, 
I will tell you again, you're probably more schooled in this right now than I ever was or will be. And I claim well, to be such a big fan. Well, okay. I'm but, definitely not everything. I was definitely not a fan. In fact, I called my father before I wrote this little article seeing what he knew about the band. And he had no recollection of them, which I found shocking because my dad is a 70s, hip, 60s, 70s hippie. He really is. Like, he knew all of these classic huh. rock bands, but he knew nothing about Little Feet. So here's what I got. And you can interrupt me anytime if any of this is incorrect. But Little Feet, Little Feet were formed in 1969 by founding members, singer-guitarist Lowell George, keyboard player Bill Payne, and bass player Roy Estrada. Lowell George and Roy Estrada were playing in Frank Zappa's band called The Mothers of Invention. One version of the story is that George went to Zappa with a song, Willin', that he had wrote, and Zappa told him that he was too talented to be a touring mus musician and that he should form his own band. Other versions of the story is that Zappa did not appreciate the song because there were drug references, which is a common theme in a lot of Little Feet songs, and kicked George out of the band because of it. Seeing as right. Hey, here's the thing, though. Zappa... <laughs> Without Frank Zappa, Little Feet would have never happened. He actually championed them to their record label and introduced them to the record label, which was Warner Brothers Records, who were their almost their record label for the entirety of their career. So I kind of think the latter is probably, or the first story is probably more true than the latter story because he was a fan of Little Feet. So, yeah. So far, did you know all that? Uh, not until I did a little dive again, uh, did I know the beginning. Nope, I didn't know that. Okay, so they were basically session musicians. I, but Frank, uh, my dive stopped. My dive stopped at. Oh, sorry. Uh, my dive stopped at Wikipedia. I didn't go any further. So. Okay. okay. You, I, uh, I'm sure, did. I went to. I even went to Reddit. I found myself on Reddit, so I was there. I was down in the dumps with the trolls. So. <laughs> The, the first two albums, which I found this very fascinating, first two albums, the self-titled Little Feet and Sail and Shoes were actually not commercially su successful at all, even though it did have the song Willing on the first album, resulting in the band breaking up and reforming in 1972. And did you know that the only reason why the first album and that song Willing actually became kind of a hit for them is because it was actually included on a, a, an album by Linda Ronstadt? I knew it was on an album by Linda Ronstadt, but I didn't know that was the only reason it got popular. So yeah, the but she, it's a great, it's great on her album. If you listen to that, I'm not, very but it sounds like you don't like them. So Who? don't listen. Little... Yeah. Are you a fan? Of or not a fan? Yes. Oh no, I do. Oh, oh, oh okay. I... I thought earlier you said you weren't a fan. Oh no, I think they're, I think they're great. I think it was refreshing. I think Little Feet, especially when you start to get to listen to the music, it's very refreshing because they don't follow traditional music styles like you hear now in pop music, which is like verse, chorus, 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 hit them with the chorus again, verse, chorus. Like yeah. they're, they're they're not that band at all. You know, no. they're they are an album band, and I enjoy that. So I did not mean to make this sound up like I did not enjoy them at all. But their first okay, two great. albums. Yeah, their first two albums were not commercially successful, and that resulted in the band breaking up for a short period of time. Estrada left the band and was replaced by another bassist named Kenny Gradney. They also added two new musicians to the group, percussionist Sam Clayton and Paul Barrier. 
Barrera. Barrera. I think is how you say it. Good, because I was Barrera. Not sure. Yeah. Barrera. Somebody yes. will comment and correct us. Oh, with all those fans out there listening, I know they're all, all going to correct us. All our our tens of fans. Shortly after, <laughs> <laughs> shortly after this, they released their third album, third and fourth albums called Dixie Chicken in 1973 and Feats Don't Fail Me Now in 1974. With the both of which I still, both of these I still have on vinyl. I have them both on vinyl still. So they are they are widely considered to be some of the group's more successful albums. And this is actually when the band kind of came into their sound because the first two albums um, were lacking these two new members. And these two new members really did bring in a flair, like a New Orleans funk soul flair. So all of a sudden with this third album, Dixie Chicken, you, you started to hear this explosion of sound. Whereas the first two albums were almost acoustic, almost country albums. This was definitely a, a change of direction for them. With those two albums, yeah, Sam Clayton, Sam Clayton, the percussions on those two albums that it just—it's amazing. Yeah, it just keeps you wanting to listen to more. Unfortunately, the sound change that they did bring to the band did not sit well with Lowell George, one of the founding member who actually wrote Willen and got them started. He declared Little Fleet had disbanded again in 1978. And although his intentions were to reunite the band without certain members of the band that I just mentioned, <laughs> George actually passed away shortly after this due to a heart attack brought on by a mixture of cocaine and heroin. And yes. if, if you listen to the song, I think it's called Fat Man in a Bathtub or something like that. Yes, that is that song. He it's a great ref- song. He references that he doesn't need speed balls anymore or something like that. You could tell he was plagued by demons for the majority of his career, just by his lyrics alone. And Poor was, George. Poor old that, George. And that was the downfall of him. Even though he did want to reunite the band, he did die shortly after that. This was not the end of the band. All right. So they were. this is their first lead vocalist change. This guy named Craig Fuller was brought in. He was formerly of a band called Pure Prairie League. They would release one of their most critically acclaimed albums to date in 1988 called Let It Roll. It was the first album released without Lil' George and is also one of their more commercially successful. Craig was replaced by Sean Murphy in 1993, a female lead with a powerhouse vocal rivaling that of Ann Wilson from Heart. Although Sean remained a part of the band for many albums after, her role in the band was significantly diminished on later albums, and she ended up leaving Little Feet to tour permanently with Bob Seger. Uh, They still tour to this day. Bill Payne is actually the only original member in the band in this incarnation of Little Feet, but that does not seem to really bother fans. And if you look up their YouTube shows, it's just gushing. People in the comments are just gushing about how good they still sound. This band, even though even though I don't think they really reached the commercial success of a lot of 60s and 70s bands did, they have a cult following, just like the Grateful Dead. In fact, I think they actually worked with the Grateful Dead a little bit in producing one of their songs or albums. I know Lowell George did produce a Grateful Dead song. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I'm going to say I am one of those super fans, kind of like the dead. I was never a deadhead, but um, 
more fan of Little Feet Than the Dead. And I followed them from Lil George right through to the when the woman started. I forgot her name. I didn't even Sean pay Murphy. attention. Yeah, and she was incredible, but it was she such is. a different sound for them because they never had a woman. But her voice was really great. Uh, there's a couple songs on that album that are so good. Um, I can't even recall the names of them now. I the still of, listen to them. The Go name ahead. of the out al- the name of the first album that she was heavily featured on was actually in '95 called Ain't Ain't Had Enough Fun. And even though she did sing lead on like one or two tracks there, she really did kind of sound more like a background vocalist instead of a lead singer. It really, the band itself began to take on more of a gang vocal instead of having like one central lead singer, which is kind of how they are today. Oh, okay. Um, You're so smart about music. I just listen to it and (laughs) you just dissect it. It's kind of fun to listen to you talk about it. I think it's fascinating because no band survives this. They had five different lineup changes with different lead singers and other bands have tried. Van Halen is one of the more famous ones with David Lee Roth and of course, Sammy Hagar taking over for him. And if you don't remember for one album, they had the lead singer of a band called extreme named Gary Sharon actually Mm -hmm. take over. I don't remember. Gary Sharon was actually a great, he's a great singer. He, they came out with a song back in the 80s called More Than Words, which was a great song. Other bands that have struggled with lead singer, Syndrome, Journey, even though they have been very successful. Steve Perry ended up leaving Journey and they replaced him with Arnold Pineda, if you remember that. Yep. Who, and Arnold was found on YouTube, believe it or not. ACDC has survived a lineup change, but not like Little Feet. They only had two different lead singers with Bon Scott actually drinking himself to death. Brian Johnson took over for Bon Scott in that band. Stone Temple Pilots have had some lineup changes. Scott Weiland, of course, is famously uh, overdosed. Chester Bennington from Linkin Park took over after that and ended up committing suicide. And then they have uh, their new singer is named Jeff Goot who was actually on a reality competition. I can't remember the name of. <laughs> and I then, can't believe you don't remember it. <laughs> I, it was, I mean, there's so many of them. I think it was called Rockstar, I think. Um, and then, of fascinating course. fascinating to me about this band is, you know, I, in this age of rampant litigation everywhere you turn, that one out of five of the original members is able to continue with the band and keep the name and keep the history and the legacy, you know, that's, that's not easy. I I don't, I don't, that's, you know, I mean, we see bands go through this crap all the time and completely dissolve like Evanescence, you know, they just fight and fight and fight until finally people just go their own way and forget it. Right. I did. I did. I, I did actually Google that because I was like, I wonder how they are able, I, that thought did pack, uh, cross my mind. How are they able to legally continue as a band with only one founding member left? But I could not actually find if anybody really owns the name Little Feet, who does own it, if it is one person or if it is a band kind of owning the whole thing. I couldn't really find anything about that. Hmm. But yeah, hmm. that's fa- I know that's fascinating to me as well. How do they do this with only one founding member? How, is, how have they not been sued by somebody? Right. Yeah, that is a question to ask. Huh. So, Sylvia. 
Yes. What do you what do you have as far as memories of Little Feet go? Oh my God, I have so many and they're so fun. I my older brother uh, turned me on to them when I was in high school, probably a junior in high school, and uh, we listened to them nonstop in our house and all of our friends. Everybody knew who these people were. Um, but like you said, they never really got super mainstream. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Some like of my we favorite were... bands never got super yeah. mainstream, but they have cult followings. Yeah, we were part of that cult, I guess you would say. I didn't know we were part of a cult. I thought they were that popular everywhere. Uh, because everywhere I went, we saw them. I, Like I said earlier, we saw them so many times. I can't even remember every venue, but I do remember this, and I wanted to talk about this specifically, was I saw them at a place called The Ballpark in Portland, Maine. Well, it's actually in Old Orchard, which I think. And I saw them, and their opening act was Melissa Etheridge. Oh, no, that's great. Wow. And, and we were like, wow, she's going to be famous someday because she was <laughs> so incredible. We couldn't believe it. She wasn't even... Nobody even knew who she was when we went there. Wow. And was we it left just her? there. Yeah, was it, it was just her, her and acoustic guitar. All of her and like her first album, basically. Yeah, so just her. And, yeah, uh, she's amazing. It was incredible. Everybody in that place was like, who's Little Feet? Like they were so enthralled <laughs> by her. It was great. It was a really great thing. So, um, but I saw them there. I saw them all over New England. Um, we would go as far as we had to go to see them. We just loved them. We were def definitely groupies, for sure. That's kind of um, how I felt about Tori Amos. She never really got commercial success, but every time she was in town, I went to see her. Not as many times as you saw Little Feet, but I think sometimes yeah. that also adds to a band. And the, like you feel like they're your own little secret. Nobody else knows about them, you know? Oh, yes. My sister and I uh, went to Sugarloaf, which is also in Maine the ski resort for those people who don't know anything about Maine or skiing. Um, we went to see them there one night and um, we were staying there. No, we got there early. I don't remember why we were there, but they were in the venue practicing and we got to sit there, watch them practice. It was crazy. Well, they church. It was, they like, it was a like a dream come true. Like, we didn't even care about the concert after that because we basically saw our own private concert. She'll That's remember amazing. that. And she'll also remember that it was really icy and cold and I fell down the stairs. <laughs> uh, and that sucked. So, yeah, she'll remember that part, too. It was kind of funny, but it was not funny then. It's funny now. <laughs> so, yeah, I have lots of memories, but I'm so glad you looked into them. And I'm glad that you like them because they're so fun to listen to. They just, you get lost in their sound and their Espe lyrics. Especially after the third album, especially after Dixie Chicken, their sound explodes and becomes yes. so much bigger than their first two albums. But there's, really some, there's a few songs off those first few albums that are big hits amongst the cult, I guess you'd call us. Right. Um, and Will Willing, probably one of the biggest. Willing is one of them. And you should listen to Linda Ronstadt do it. I um, I have her. I know this is old timer. I still have Pandora. Does anyone still listen to Pandora? No, um, I do not. See, I do. And she's one of my stations, the Linda Ronstadt station. And I've heard her sing that song many times. And it's really nice. Oh. She does a nice job. Well, that's another one I'll have to check out. Do you want yeah, to talk about out. 
do you want to talk about what we're going to um, discuss next week so you can do a little deep dive because I have a little assignment for you. And yes. Kevin, Kevin, if you would like to get into this as well, this is something we can all kind of talk about as well as Snatch Game, <laughs> which yes. I think is, is going to be something that we can all enjoy. But now I, I hope I can find Snatch Game because I have this really weird TV set up. I don't really have cable. You know, it's I think it's bootleg. I paid a guy and he came and now I can watch everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he'll show up once a year for that much more money. And it's it's fantastic, but it takes me a little while to find things. So, so if I can't got, find it, I apologize. You've got a ripped fire stick, right? Is what you got? I have no idea, it, yeah. but it's fantastic. I can watch. There's nothing I can't watch. It's just hard for me to find it because technically I'm not superb like you boys are. So, <laughs> uh, But, you know, what I've seen of it, it's worth what I paid that guy who showed up on the house. So, anyways. Right. Um, yes, we're going to talk about Ru RuPaul's Drag Race and what else? And I thought we would do a deep dive on one of the biggest recording artists of all time, believe it or not, who is Alanis Morissette. I thought this would be, I'm not a huge fan of Alanis. I like a couple of her albums, but I think this would be a good time to revisit Jagged Little Pill, being that it is one of the largest selling albums of all time. It is up there with Thriller, believe it or not, as one of the is largest. Is it really? It really is. So oh I, my God. Yeah, right? So I thought this would also be a good conversation as to get into like, what are the actual top selling albums of all time? And how does Alanis Morissette stack up to that? Does it actually hold the test of time? Um, because I think a lot of her albums do not. But Jagged Little Pill was different. Jagged Little Pill was her first one. And it sold over 50 million copies just in America. So. Uh, well, yeah. as a not, uh, also not a fan of Alanis Morissette, this is a hard assignment because I don't like to listen to her. So um, I'm going to have to because I can't talk about it if I don't know about it. Uh, well, I, so. I would say just make sure you digest Jagged Little Pill. That'll be the album we're mostly going to talk about. And you can okay. kind of skip through her other songs because after Jagged Little Pill, there wasn't a whole lot of good stuff coming out of Alanis Morissette. She even has a new album that just got released last year and she tried to tour off of it. And it just was not critically received very well. Wow. So, yeah. Didn't know that. But I will listen to that album, and uh, we can talk about it. All right. And then uh, I don't know who wants to pick the next one, but we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up next week. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. All right. Perfect. So, well, this well, was super fun. Yeah. I think this, this was a good change of pace. Thank you, Kevin Crone. Thank you, Sylvia Rose, for joining us. Thank uh, you, those... Brian. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Those of you who are new, make sure you guys subscribe, like, and comment. We can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and I believe we are now live also on Apple Podcasts. That took some doing, but we are now live on Apple Podcasts as well. Wow, that's exciting. Exciting. It is exciting. We, um, we have so many fans, we had to just start jumping on these places. They were I can't, saying, I can't give us more, give us more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The emails I get, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's crazy. I know, the fans, which, they want pictures. They want should... me to do an OnlyFans. I know. <laughs> you know. Uh, could you please let the fans know what that email address is so that, that we can make sure our new fans have it? <laughs> so the email address of the show right now, we actually don't have one just for the show. I have my personal one that I have been, that I use to register the show. So next week, I will have an email address just for the show. It'll be shopping, 
I think it'll be shopping for tea at Google at, at gmail.com. All right. Great. So that was, that's great. So, uh, yes, um, we're really getting popular. We need to make sure all of our fans have access. I know. <laughs> all right, guys. All this right, gentlemen. Uh, it's the best way to spend a Sunday uh, afternoon. It's the best. And I appreciate it being spent this way. And I can't wait for the next one. Have and a great week. You too. And I hope you turned some listeners on to some new music. Go check out Little Feet. They have 15 albums. So you have a, you uh-huh. have a, 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 a bit to digest, but it's good. It's good yes. stuff. All right. And, and don't, don't miss Snatch Game. And don't miss Snatch Game. All right. All we'll right. talk about that next week. All right. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>